Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This show is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Robots Radio presents... Welcome to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, a place where the Elder Scrolls community can come together to discuss the boundaries of our knowledge about the universe of the Elder Scrolls. Adventurers, it is time again for the Elder Scrolls Lorecast with me, your host, Robots, and my co-host, Lotus of Doom. Lotus, welcome back, buddy. How's it going? Things are pretty well tonight. Things are going pretty well. Good, good, good. Yeah, you, I, I was watching some of your adventures in uh, Elder Scrolls Arena last night, and <laughs> we were uh, discussing this during the pre-show, and your uh, three-hour adventure around a dungeon, which really could have only taken eight minutes by just going down one hallway. Um, yep. Um, the, the one weird benefit to doing these antique games blind is... Um, they definitely give you breadcrumbs nowadays to work with in video games. They did not do that back then. And there was really no indication where you're going. And people looked it up during chat, uh, were polite enough to let me struggle through for three hours. And it turned out that the exit to the Crypt of Hearts level one was directly across from the start. And that was the <laughs> last room I checked. <laughs> oh, man. You took a long way home on the struggle bus. Yeah. That's... A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> Well, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the difficulties. I uh, I do enjoy those streams, though, and I think people tend to enjoy your um, your your difficulties. I'm, we've talked about this Indeed. before. People like to yeah. watch you suffer. There's something about that. I don't know. Per the UESP themselves, uh, my buddy Kiz has nicknamed me Lotus of Struggle because I yeah. find the most ridiculous things to do and then subject myself to them. So I'd say it's pretty accurate. Yeah, Lotus of Suffering. I think that's probably a good thing, too. Uh, <laughs> it's another solid one. I like it. Yeah. Speaking of suffering, um, <laughs> we're going to... That's a transition for you. We're going to be talking about uh, the Morag Tong a little bit more in this episode. We started out last week talking about the origin of this assassins group from Morrowind mostly Dunmer but of course it expanded out out from there and uh, expanded into the rest of the continent and as we kind of summed up last time once it got far enough out into the rest of Tamriel uh, the Imperials started to put uh, their clamps down on it and say uh, nope we don't want any of that and then things kind of started to back up from there so this episode we're gonna be talking about their fall from prominence because if you are a, a gamer and you've played an Elder Scrolls game, chances are you've played Skyrim or Oblivion and or, or even Elder Scrolls Online. And you're more familiar with the Dark Brotherhood. They're uh, a potentially offshoot splinter group that is not doing the same work that they were, at least in the same way. And so we're going to discuss that a little bit on the show tonight as well. I think we're going to have to do, of course, at least a full episode on Dark Brotherhood. There's a lot of stuff to cover there. So... Um, so hey, why don't we go ahead and get started? This is where you get off. Come with me. So let's sum some of this up. Let's talk about their fall from prominence after the first era. Uh, according to the UESP, who uh, <laughs> Lotus is, of course, best friends with some of these guys who like to torture him on stream. Um, <laughs> and again, I'm going to that source because this is probably the best and most concise source that we can we can use in order to summarize this on a podcast without taking you through lots of little uh, rabbit trails, let's say. So, yes. So uh, the fall from prominence section of this says, while the Dark Brotherhood rose to greater prominence elsewhere, the Morag Tong remained a formidable presence in Morrowind. Accounts suggest they gave up the worship of Mafala in exchange for revering the god king Vivek, though they maintained their worship of Sithis. So we talked about last week how they began as a group that was worshiping Mafala, right? The uh, the Daedric prince of uh subterfuge right of like secret murder and and terrible yep. things right and uh vivek was the 
Um, I guess we should say it this way. Mafala was the anticipation of Vivek. So it kind of makes sense that they would move from worship of Mafala to Vivek once Vivek was in power in Morrowind. Is that, right. is that probably a good yes. way to sum that up, Lotus? Yeah, I believe actually if you <laughs> go through the 36 lessons of Vivek, that's exactly how they refer to them is, you know, Vivek is the anticipation of Mafala and uh, Amalexia. Oh, I actually trying to remember who's who. Amalexia, I think is. It's, yeah, it's the other way around. Still, the, the Daedric Prince oh, was the yeah, anticipation sorry, it, of the it, right, right, right. tribunal. Sorry, God. I had that back. I, right. yeah, I just said that backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, Boethia is a thank you. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. That's 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 how they uh, refer to them. So, yeah. And it was Sotha Sil who is Azura. Thank you so much, Fragile. Yeah, yeah. So it goes on. It says, despite the common service to Sithis, who we talked about a little bit last time. So if you, again, if you haven't checked out the first part of this episode, you might be a little bit lost on some of the stuff. Um, the first episode before this uh they were mortal enemies of their old splinter group the dark brotherhood or as i like to call them the dark bubbies who (laughs) just made that up who revered the night mother and we had some really interesting conversations this week on the discord about who the night mother might actually be and uh one of our members of the discord uh threw out the idea that maybe the night mother was also vivek based on some some hints and maybe the the lessons of vivek and some of that stuff interesting ideas a lot of this stuff is on the fringe of what may or may not be so we'd love to hear your thoughts on that it goes on it says the tong maintained its traditional original position of the first era that of an impartial middleman in the conflicts between the great houses in the bloody business of dunmary politics some within the faction however felt that their service was undervalued as rich nobles with petty grievances used the tong to freely not or too freely, I guess I should say, not respecting the ancient institution. However, they did not act outside of Morrowind, nor did they interfere in politics higher than that of interhouse rivalry. So let me posit the question here. What is uh, in it? In a world where politics allow for the legal assassination of your <laughs> of your competition, how is there, how is it possible to use the Morag Tong too freely? Like, too many assassinations in a period of time? Right. Are you over-assassinating your competition? Or, <laughs> I mean, is the surplus population going down because so many people <laughs> on all sides are being assassinated? So if an outside force were to invade Morrowind's systems, would they not be able to you know, fight it off because they're too busy murdering each other. So are you just like, looking at in the grand scheme you, of things like, oh, boy, we can't kill each other this much. Like we got to rein it in a little bit. Yeah. Are, are you taking out everybody from an opposing house by just putting out murder contracts on the entire population of that house? You know, like, right. At what point is this too freely? Uh, you know, and I guess it's impressive that I mean, I guess you give people an inch, they'll take a mile. So uh, but it, it's amazing that an assassinate a legal assassination guild can be taken too far it's like what i mean you're legally killing your adversaries pretty much regardless of what for right and that's you're reaching a point where it's like all right i think we've taken it a little too far it's like really you're killing each other but we've managed to even do that to the extreme it's like good lord yeah now let let me posit a, a concept here what if in the the forward progression of time and the mixing of the different people groups during the second era, which was becoming more mixed than it was in the first era. What if during this time there was outside influence creeping in through ideologies that were creeping into Morrowind and the houses of Morrowind from, say, Imperial rule or the connections to these different organizations and maybe their own intolerance of legal assassination was some was an idea that started to become seeded in the minds of some of these leaders that could happen i mean this is the kind of thing we see happen yeah. in in our own politics or i mean oftentimes throughout the, the 20th century people have described um ideas as viruses that once an idea gets in the minds of a people group that it spreads like a virus and it can eventually infect everyone. That's where revolutions start. That's that's how a lot of the changes during the 20th century came about was through these ideas from different groups mixing um, because it was so easy to communicate for the first time ever across different people groups. So I would I would pose that maybe that's something that's going on there, um, although I don't know for sure. Um, 
The text does go on and says, uh, nor did they apparently act on their own accounts, meaning the the uh, Mori Tong, except against the Dark Brotherhood or worshippers of Mayroon's Dagon, because screw that guy. <laughs> I love how it's just specifically Mayroon's Dagon. No other Daedric Prince, just Dagon. <laughs> right. Like, he's he's obviously one of the bad ones, which uh, he's on the list. Yeah, he's one of the House of Troubles. House of Troubles. So. And so, like, yeah, you guys can assassinate anybody having to do, like, any, if someone's worshipping Mayroon's Dagon, yeah, get rid of him. We're cool with that. Yeah, he's changing too much stuff around his house for feng shui reasons, and it's like, nope, kill him. <laughs> nope, kill him. No change. <laughs> no change. No changes. He didn't ask the HOA. He didn't get approval. Yep. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. <laughs> Take him out. Um, indeed, sometimes they were hired to track down and kill outlaws and as an alternative to the more traditional fighters guild bounty so it looks like their roles were a little bit spread and, and changed over time right why not just go to the fighters yeah. guild because that's what the fighters guild does so that's where we're at and um things started to decline and what's what's really cool about the morag tong specifically with the information that we have is that we get to play some quest lines in ESO during the middle of the second era, or actually it's kind of early second era, early to mid second era, whatever. It's, it's all perspective, right? We'll call it mid. Mid. <laughs> just mid call it second mid, era. That, just to encompass all of it. I, I mean, things get really dicey <clears throat> around the interregnum anyways, what with the Imperial libraries being burned and all that stuff. We'll, we'll just say mid. Mid sounds mid, good. Mid. <laughs> mid. Right. Because, because we're looking at like the second era of 582-ish, right? The yeah. times of Elder Scrolls Online. And it's... Right. Uh, partly because we have a game that's based on that time period, so now they can tell these stories, so everything kinds of kind of happens then, <laughs> right? Because right. they're not right. jumping time frames in the stories. Well, and they do that a little bit. Almost everything happens then. So it's, but it's also a time of great turmoil and all of these different communities vying for power and the mixing of these different communities. It was it was a uh, a very interesting time, and it's before things like uh, the. Uh, the Nord takeover of Tamriel with um, uh, oh, what's his name? Talos. Uh, what's his actual? He goes by many, Tyber many names. Tiber Septum. I was thinking like Hjalti Early Beard, but that's not the one yeah. everybody uses. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, was say, I mean, you're still not wrong. Uh. <laughs> but Tiber Septum was was what he was known as, right? And and that of course led to other transitions. And most of the games are based after all of this period anyway. So you have kind of this uh, this tumultuous time in this era where. Where there's just a variety of different things happening. So the the section that we get in Elder Scrolls Online is uh, based around this idea of the seven secrets and the simulacrum. I think is the pronunciation. Yeah, I always say simulacrum. Sim um, simulacrum. You kind of don't pronounce the the U is what I, Sim I simulacrum. It, it, simulacrum. That's that's uh -huh. how I've always assumed it's pronounced. Um, Kind of an esoteric word that's not used. Well, actually, me saying esoteric is esoteric. So whatever. It's a word that's not commonly used. <laughs> sure. sure. Uh, so simulacrum rubric. And according to this, it says the Dunmer Wrythe Verano. Remember that name? Wrythe Verano was one of the last of the Morgtong members who were around before the potentate assassinations that sent their guild into decline. He worked for centuries at restoring the reputation of the Morag Tong with the great houses, getting them to once again accept the Tong as a legitimate organization. By the second era of 582, the Tong had started to gain great footing and Verano had become the Grand Master. He was not satisfied with these accomplishments and would be one of the people who would plot a coup of the current Tong. The group, uh, the group created a list of goals which, if achieved, would transform the Tong into more than a mere League of Assassins. It would make them powerful enough to allow them to replace the heads of state that were once able to force them to go into hiding. The plot was known as the Simulacrum Rubric, named after one of the items they sought to obtain, Sothasil's Simulacrum Rubric. It was orchestrated by Verano and seven other influential members of the Tong who called themselves the Seven secretives and i think that's a cool name like the, the secretives that's a pretty good it is a pretty good name all, all of the naming conventions around this are actually pretty sweet to be fair yeah i think that's going to be my new band the secretives or the seven secretives that's the a, seven secretives 
yeah. but oddly have eight members. Yeah, we only have three members. It's like the Ben Folds oh, Five, but it's even yeah, even more. Perfect. Yeah. Even more intense. <laughs> now, um, the next part goes into uh, a character who shows up in the Elder Scrolls Online a lot. Nar Naryu Virian. Do you do you have much of a recollection of Naryu? Have you thought about her? I I do. Um, she actually has a decent. You're, you're first introduced to Naryu um, from the. What do you call it? From the Ebonheart side of things, which mm-hmm. is my faction of choice. So here, here. she's kind of. Yeah. So she's <laughs> she's kind of the I don't know. Um, your token memorable character. Each side kind of has their yes. own. The Elmer Dominion has Raz. I mean, there's a lot of memorable characters, but each side kind of has their token jokester slash fan favorite like and it it was obvious that they were going to be fan favorites you get raz for the admir and dominion and you have um darian gutier for the daggerfall covenant Mm -hmm. and we get naryu um which is so and she's so much cooler than both of those other i mean both those other people are cool yes she's got the the cool factor to her yeah that the other is not so much um also she's (laughs) kind of cool Oh yeah, he is. He's he's kind of like I consider the funny one. And yeah. um, Darian's just a big Darian's just a big dork. Right? Da- da- Darian's yeah. a kind of a doofus, but he's supposed to be the suave, like um, uh, bandit type style. Uh, that's not what I'm looking for for uh, Han Solo. Roguish. Roguish. That's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Han Solo. But he's definitely a goof. Thing. Like he's totally. He's yeah, a total goof. but he, but he's a bit of a, a goof while he does it. Whereas now you've got the. Uh, you know, cool assassin vibe going, and not to mention, I think she's about forty percent of everybody's waifu uh, in ESO <laughs> because people love her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I mean, um, she's she's definitely got that spooky uh, Dunmer thing going on—the red eyes, the dark she gray skin, the dark and, hair, the cool-looking assassin's garb. You know. Without going into, you know, elaborate story spoilers, she will show up through several expansions going forward as well. Um, She kind of sets up as a base character, but she, I mean, even if you weren't here originally, um, the promotional material prior to Morrowind's expansion coming out, she was in the Blur FMV trailer. Like, she was one of the main bullet points. So... She obviously had a strong connection to that. What with the Morrigtong being directly on Vardenfell, you know, you're going to want it to be in the Morrowind region. And there's been other things where she's come back. So she's she's had kind of a long standing tie to the character, even if the Elmer, uh, even if the Ebonhar Pact isn't your faction of choice, so to speak. Right, right. Yeah. If you've played through any of the other expansions, you may have come across her. Um, there, there are some quest lines that tie tie into her stuff. So um, we'll tell you what. Now's a good time to jump to the middle of the show, and then we're going to come back and talk about her role in all of this and what actually plays out with the seven secretives and the simulacrum rubric. Hey, I said it right. The skies are marked with numberless sparks, each a fire, and every one a sign. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Hey, I'm Tom. And I'm Stuart. And we're from the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. We talk about all things connected to D&D lore. And... We're on the Robots Radio Network, so if you're into Dungeons & Dragons or you're into lore, then come check us out. You can find us on any podcatcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get podcasts. Roll more dice. That's the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. So, first of all, this is the middle of the show, so thank you to all of our patrons, everybody who helps support the show, everybody who's interested in getting ad-free episodes a day early or even joining us at the end of the month, which is coming up. Uh, very soon, I believe in two episodes. No, one episode. It's next week. Next week is the last Thursday of the month. So we'll be doing our our uh, patron episode next 
next week. If you're interested in joining us, you're welcome to sign up as a tier four patron. Join us for that episode. And uh, I don't think we've decided on a topic yet, but I'm sure we'll come up with something. If you want to put your uh, vote into the hat, now would be a good time to sign up and jump on the discord and say, hey, let's talk about this next week. Uh, everyone's pretty, pretty easy going about it, though. So uh, that's coming up. And later on in this episode or at the end of the episode, let's just say the end of the episode after the episode is over. If you are currently watching on Twitch, uh, we are currently live. And I didn't mention that at the beginning of the show, but we're currently live on Twitch.tv slash Robots Radio. It is Thursday night, 10 p.m., 7 p.m., 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. And after this episode, we will be doing our game show, the new game show that I created called Are You Smarter Than Twitch Chat? And Lotus will be our first contestant for our Elder Scrolls Trivia Edition, which is going to be I awesome. Be pig. Yeah, you're going to be the guinea pig. And um, I did this one time for Fallout so far. I'm doing this is our first Elder Scrolls one. We have five questions and we're going to be asking Twitch Chat to answer those questions by voting. And then you, Lotus, are going to get to agree with or disagree with the most popular answer. And if they fool you enough times, interesting, then they win the prizes. And if you gotcha, if you don't, if you get through the whole all five questions without without missing three questions of those five, okay, then you win. So. And cool. you have and to do it with your hands rights? in the air. Yeah, you have to do it with your hands in the air so we can make sure you're not Googling anything. But chat can Google. And so they Ooh, can choose right. yeah, can to look up the answers. They can choose to give you a fake answer. They can choose to give you the right answer. They're, they're trying oh, interesting. to, to all right. fool all right. you. Interesting. Yeah, that's the idea. But you don't get to Google it. So anyway, that's the way that's going to work out. It's going to be after this episode. If you are a patron, this will be coming out. It'll be part of the extended episode. You'll get the after show with us on it. If you are not a patron, you'll still get to listen to it, but it will be released in the feed a little bit later this week so awesome stuff everyone will get to enjoy it all right let's move on with the rest of the show yes yes you're entirely brilliant conquering madness and all that blah 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 blah. all right so let's jump uh into this section about naryu now naryu is pretty i mean we've talked about her a little bit she's pretty badass she's an assassin of course right i mean she she looks like one it's funny that the assassins are so uh, recognizable by their clothing when I think <laughs> when they're supposed to be hidden. Yeah, it's like yeah, but it, you know, in, indeed, fantasy. You have to make it look cool, right? Like like yeah. ninjas in real life existed, but they looked like farmers because that was the best way to hide in plain sight. You know, they didn't look yeah. like dressing in all black is probably not. <laughs> it makes you stand out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So anyway, this goes on and says the Morag Tong assassin Naryu Virian sought an audience with the tribunal god Vivek to be granted a tribunal sanction for extrajudicial execution for her superior, Wraith Verano, the person that we mentioned before the break. She had discovered that Verano was involved with the secretive's plot and had ordered writs of execution for the rem- remaining members of the group to follow her uh, to throw her off his trail. Vivek granted her request and provided her with an ally, a warden by the name of Buldek, who wanted to bring Verano to justice for his involvement in the death of his partner. They tracked him to Sadrith Mora, where they spotted a Telvani mage teleporting him to the Clockwork City through a portal which vanished along with Murano. Um, Lotus, do you, you're familiar with the Clockwork City, of course, right? Can you give can you give us a, just a quick little uh, elevator pitch about what that what that is and how that might be involved? Or so the Clockwork the idea City, yeah. So uh, just as a quick kind of like overview of what the Clockwork City yeah. is is a essentially it is a miniature version of the world uh, uh, of 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 Nern. Um, Picture it like in a globe, uh, because that's the representation they do in game. I believe I'm not sure this will show up on. Eh, no, it's not even on that one. That's outdated for the map. I was I thought I had a hand map handy that I was going to put it up, but mm-hmm. it's it's a clockwork sphere, so to speak, that exists on Nern, and there is a way to essentially shrink yourself down and go into this world. Right. World is not it. It's his interpretation of Sothasil's interpretation. It, I'm sorry, yeah. it's Sothasil's right. interpretation of it, so that he has a place to separate himself from the plane, so to speak, um, because 
it's pretty immune, not completely as it's story relying wise. You'll find out why it wouldn't be completely, but it's very hard for others to track down, which makes it very easy for him to study things that he does not want other people to find out about. Uh, the biggest thing is Daedric influence because they struggle to find it. Um, it's all synthetic though. And many of the denizens of the clockwork city have started to grow up in there. So they've, they only know the experience of this artificial world rather than a real world. Um, some of the people with him, many of his guard and stuff like that have come from the actual land of Tamriel into it. But as they've kind of fallen apart due to being mortal, they're replaced with more and more synthetic parts. You meet some really cool people <laughs> right. in the clockwork right. who are more or less like RoboCop. It's like, much, it's like steampunk Robocop. world for elder scrolls online. It, it really is. Yeah. It is. It is very steampunk world. And, um, it's, <laughs> it's fascinating in game, but I also find, I mean, I'm obsessed with the music of Elder Scrolls games. And to anybody who has played the Clockwork City, they portray in the music as well as just in the story of the Clockwork City and kind of Sothasil on whole. There is a sadness to the fact that everything is so sterile yeah. in this fascinating thing that he's created that theoretically, if untouched, will just go on. But these people have never really seen the sky. They've seen the inside a, of the globe, basically the inside of yeah, with the Ori that does a visual <laughs> trick against the globe top that makes it look like the sky, but it's not real. Mm -hmm. And when you're exploring around there, you're very aware that a lot of the things kind of almost like in their synthetic state wish there was something real but there isn't because it's all synthetic and it's got this very strange vibe to it where <laughs> to be fair living there sounds awful <laughs> but yeah. it would be an interesting place to be able to come and go as you please maybe but that being your existence it's it's this weird split from the reality of things and it's very in terms of you know just aesthetics uh we were actually talking about it in chat it has a very dwemer vibe to it because mm -hmm. the dwemers constructions and all of that have lasted through the ages because they were very mechanical they were very scientific and he models it in a very similar way but you get these sterile robotic features to things so that they never break down it's kind of a double-edged yeah. sword whether yeah. you you know you lose the humanity in something like that by gaining its immortality Right, right. And and the ability to test on things that are uh, testable. Yes. You know, somebody like Sophie yeah, Sill can, exactly. can run experiments and test on a on a working simulation of a thing rather with, without ever having to mess with the actual reality of it until exactly. he's ready to implement something in the reality of it. You know, it's uh, we'll have to get into Sophie Sill. He's such an interesting character. Um, and uh, he's, Vivek he's a and, great character. And you know, the tribunal, uh, all of them. Um Amalexia. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's continue with this. They that was a great uh, summary. They convinced the mage to give them passage to the Clockwork City, which of course uh, most people can't ever get. And once there, they tracked Verano into a mechanist's uh, mechanist's, I guess is the way to pronounce that workshop, where he obtained one of the items needed: Sothasil's simulacrum simulacrum rubric. <laughs> he spotted them, panicked, and summoned a portal back to Vardenfell. Naryu and Baldek followed him through it and emerged in Mudan ruins. Argonian guards were waiting for him there, but fled when an army of Dwemer and Anu Animunculi, these are these are the uh, animated <laughs> machines, right? Appeared out of the ruin. A dwarven colossus, one of the really big ones, appeared um, out of the ruin, blasting it apart and immolating Varanu along with the satchel that held the simulacrum rubric. The combined efforts of Naryu and Boldek destroyed the Colossus. Naryu severed the Grandmaster's head and took his skull as a trophy to take with her as she sought to carry out the writs of execution on the remaining traitors. Total badass. Total badass. So, like, let's sum this up. She's like, Naru's trying to take over the, the Tong, trying to do a bunch of bad stuff. She goes to Vivek and says, Vivek, 
I want to hunt this guy down. Vivek says, go for it. She chases them into the Clockwork City, back out of the Clockwork City, fights a, bu fights a bunch of robots, chops off his head, and then, and then decides that she's going to hunt down all the rest of the traitors. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 It is. <laughs> it just she's it, a great assassin. It so just is. Just, yep. Yeah, she's yep. she's an awesome assassin. The journey led Naryu across of all of Tamria, where she would successfully carry out her executions. Various feats occurred to, uh, to the contributions each target brought to the plot. The first required the hiring of a smuggler that was able to enter the Clockwork City to steal a second Clockwork artifact. Its importance led Clockwork Apostles, the some of the people that work for Sothisil in the Clockwork City, to chase the smuggler back to Nern when it uh, was taken from them. The Clockwork artifact was destroyed when the target got into a brawl with the smuggler. The second was an alchemical secret that was sought in Craglorn. It consisted of combining forbidden regents with stolen celestial power. The result would be the creation of monsters said to be able to revert Tamriel back to the chaos of the Dawn Era. Talk about powerful monsters. The potion that held the alchemical secret was destroyed. The third contribution was sought in the Imperial City, where the target sought to learn secrets of Daedric summoning in the Daedra-occupied city, which of course is what's going on in the middle of all this conflict during the ESO Second Era you know, time period. Mm -hmm. um, the various secrets of Daedric summoning were lost with the death of the third target. target. The fourth contribution brought Naryu to Hrothgar, where it was revealed that the contribution was eight scrolls for summoning pariah scamps, which when consumed make mortals unnoticeable. The scrolls were recovered by her and were used to make convenient getaways. The fifth con contribution was the helm of or Orion Bearclaw, I think I might have pronounced that correctly, located in Orsinium, which grants the wearer divine dexterity and enhanced endurance. It was returned to Gadneth Orin, a descendant of the original owner of the helmet. The sixth contribution brought Naryu to Hughesbane, where the contribution was revealed to be the Yokudin artifact known as the Arbical Abacus. Is that maybe? Oh, is it an abacus? Oh, it's an abacus. I was going to say, is it an abacus? Like, arbical, is it a literal abacus? Arb that's the word. The arbical abacus? It. Arbical abacus. Yeah, arbical so like an abacus, like the, the things we that we had before calculators. Yeah, yeah, it seems. Yeah, all right. um, I mean, I guess. Yeah. That, so the abacus itself uh, had a physical appearance of having glass gears and ivory pistons, and suffused oh, okay. with a blue glow of star magic. Huh. Very cool. Um, man, we need more Yakutan stuff in these games because that stuff is like rare and super interesting. It is. Uh, it could it could not only predict <laughs> I just a picture an abacus being super valuable. Yeah, yeah. Well, get this. Get this. Uh, it could not only predict the weather, but actually influence it on a continental scale. Naryu destroyed the abacus after the sixth target was eliminated. All of this powerful stuff just either getting used up or destroyed. The seventh contribution was to negotiate the formation of an alliance with the rival assassins guild, the Dark Brotherhood via a hostile takeover if necessary in order to spread the Tong's influence across the entire continent. The Brotherhood rejected the offer and an alliance with the Order of the Hour was made instead. It was severed when Naryu completed her last writ of execution, destroying the dream of the Simulacrum rubric and bringing honor back to the Morag Tong with the deaths of the Seven Secretives. So, super epic quest. This is... This is just awesome, 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 awesome stuff. Uh, if you don't know, the Order of the Hour is one of the oldest knightly orders of the Empire of Cyr Cyrodiil, serving as the militant arm of the Akatosh Chantry. It's another one of these organizations we'll have to jump into sometime in the future. So um, I don't care for the Order of the Hour. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they're, ve they're very annoying in game. I don't <laughs> like them. Yeah, it's just funny. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, real quick, sure. Just that. So her her quest right there that she went through to carry out those seven contributions mm -hmm. um with, with those contracts that right there shows just the depth of the writing to this this series because 
that's deeper than most main quests to games and oh that gosh. wasn't even you doing that that's somebody just in the story like she's a functional hero that you could have had an entire game about yeah and it was just that's all happening while you're doing something else it's it's crazy right. how lived in this world really is just because there's so many things going on that yes okay you always have these epic ridiculous quests and it's like oh of course i saved the world of course i you know stopped this or did this yeah. or whatever but yeah. it's like other people are doing it at the exact same time you're not a unique hero necessarily there's many of them which is one of the things that i like so much about how mmos oftentimes don't make sense because like okay well why is everybody doing the same thing like that's <laughs> it doesn't right. make any sense and it's like it's so between dragon breaks and all of that it's like you can actually write into the story why there's an mmo worth of people doing the same quest which is just crazy to think about when you when you have some of the reach that this series does to different avenues that normally writing wouldn't allow so to speak yeah i um i would love a uh i don't have you seen like the netflix um animation series for like castlevania or any of that stuff i've only seen like one episode my cousin swears by that show <laughs> yeah it seems it seems pretty cool i've, I've watched through yep. uh, a good portion of the first um the first season but I, I mean here's my here's my pitch you take something like the story of naryu and you just make that a netflix series and you animate it and you start with something like this as the storyline you know, and she's like hunting down. She's the assassin who's hunting down the other assassins and taking them out in order to save the world or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, like, holy crap, these seven things that could be the entire first season of a TV show. That's amazing. Right. That's amazing. Oh, and yes, uh, chat. This is uh, it's diet Mountain Dew because I got to watch my girlish figure. <laughs> yeah, um, that's what I'm drinking. Uh, <laughs> so so that that is one of the best um actual gameplay insights we get into the Morag Tong and what's going on and even some of the difficulties that were happening in the second era. As things move on, you have, of course, the events that happen in Morrowind, the Red Year, the uh, uh, the Battle of Red Mountain, the disappearance of the Dwemer, you have all that stuff, right? All the, Everything moves forward, eventually the Tribunal is destroyed. I guess that's the events of uh, Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind, right? You got that stuff, um, uh, right? Afterward, uh, right. I was going to say when when the Red Year happens, it's actually, um, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, that's actually right after uh, Oblivion would be when the Red Year oh, takes place. Okay, yeah. it's it's after the Dragon Fires are put out, and then you get mm. into it's right before the books take place because they briefly travel to the shrapnel that used to be Fardenfell. That used to be Fardenfell. So, yes, right, right. Yeah, so, so right. like, yeah, it's like right in between that and then, you know, everything's super nuked by the time of Skyrim. Right. So, uh, the, this kind of wraps it up. Um, after the Argonian invasion and devastation of Vardenfell, the Tong dispersed. Though the remaining members hope to reunite someday, even though the devastation, uh, the devastated factions within Vardenfell were gone, the Morag Tong still had a presence on the mainland of Morrowind, and even took contracts in Solstheim, which I think is a reference to the expansion in um, uh, Skyrim. They were hired by Vendel Ulin uh, for use in his plot to assassinate Counselor Lyril Morvane as, as an act of uh, revenge. For the execution uh, Morvane ordered on a member of the Ulin family years before. They also had run-ins with their rivals, the Dark Brotherhood, sanctioned writs of execution in an effort to terminate their members. So, the fight moves on, but they're for the most part reduced by the time, you know, that w we actually get to interact with them in these games. Now, where this goes for the future of Elder Scrolls, Elder Scrolls 6, are we going to see some sort of resurgence of this uh, chances are elder scroll 6 isn't going to take place near this area but i would not assume <laughs> i would not assume but then again you know you have um you have you have the uh the influence of the high elves and specifically the thalmor which is assumed to be one of the main plot points of the next elder scrolls game because it was part of skyrim it was a significant part right. the world seems to be moving in that direction but which I would assume that the goals of the Thalmor are different than the goals of, say, 
the Dunmer or the Argonians or whoever. Right. And it's not just going to be, and this is getting into speculation territory, it's not just going to be the Empire versus the Thalmor or the Nords versus the Thalmor moving forward, right? There are all these other factions who have their own wills and their wants for the world. Yes, and the only thing that's... I, I mean, I don't think it's a common opinion, but um, I'm curious just because you can never really predict where they're going to pick in the timeline to cover. Um, usually we're moving forward for mm -hmm. the most part. Right. Um, right. But sometimes it's a very small jump forward. Other times it, it's, it's a pretty substantial jump forward. And most people are assuming that with this incoming conflict and, you know, shifts in power and stuff like that, uh, plus some of the choices you make, which determine which factions or people will be around in the next game. Um, one of the things I've been curious on, as I'm still under the mindset that we're quite a ways away from ever, even so much as hearing about more, <laughs> more of Elder Scrolls 6, but... I'll be curious to see if this is almost a misdirection. Are we going mm. to be focusing on this storyline or are we going to pick up after this storyline has concluded and we're dealing with the aftermath of whatever happened? Yeah. Cause that's happened before. Like the right. red year wasn't in a game. Right. We heard about it in Skyrim. It was like, Oh, by the way, everything's destroyed. Enjoy. It's like, Oh God, you deleted the landmass that took place two games ago. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. That's that's crazy. And it, it was talked about, but you never played it out. So this war that could be impending might not be the focus of the next one. It could be what happened after that. Or did it lead to something else that we don't even know is a threat yet? It's it's hard to tell because the story goes in so many different directions. Yeah, that's a good point. Um I have to wonder if people would be upset if they'd be like, no, I wanted to play that story. <laughs> I'm curious on that too. Although Bethesda is known for also doing what they want to do mm -hmm. and people sometimes get very upset and then calm down when they realize that it's really cool. It's still pretty cool. So, yeah. Like, okay, yeah. yeah, it's fine. It was fine. <laughs> All right, it was fine. Cool. I guess it's good. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, I think in a lot of ways they haven't over revealed. Um, no, there's a lot of uh, fiction that over reveals. They spend, they get too Very much into the nitty gritty. They reveal too much of the what ifs. Um, the fact that they skip time moving forward, I think has probably been beneficial because there's always something to catch up on when you're in the world. You know, when you're just jumping yes. into the world in the new and game. They leave a good amount of mystery, which I feel enhances story yeah. over explaining. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it drives people nuts not knowing something sometimes. Right. right. But over explaining can kill the mystery to something which can then kill the interest in a series when there's nothing to search for anymore it's, right. a, it's a real right. double-edged sword there right the the um the it, it's like the uh the thing you can't have is always more appealing than the thing you can have so therefore you think about it and you dwell on it more which means that it becomes more valuable simply because you can't have it it becomes a focus of your attention you know, that's yes. why the if they had just revealed what happened to the Dwemer like three games ago, <laughs> like yep. nobody would be nobody oh be God. into yes. them at all. Like everyone would be like, yeah, yeah, it's a Dwemer rune. Like <laughs> if there was no mystery, there'd be like no, no appeal. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know what happened to them. <laughs> like That would be it. that would be hilarious. Yeah, just yeah, yeah it's or that's that's just when they end the series as a whole. It, it, you know what? Here's the end of the drum where we're done with Elder Scrolls forever. It's like, no. Right, right. <laughs> and we're out. Everyone's like, no. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I enjoy not knowing personally. That's, I know that's so much of what people want, and I don't want them to do anything with the Dwemer whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Just I think that stays a shrouded mystery. in mystery. I think it stays a mystery. Um, or for a very long time until it is like the absolute right time to reveal it, you know, like uh, almost like the yeah. dragons, like moving forward through time, you know, like, oh, what if what if three games from now, all of a sudden in the late game events of whatever the main quest line is, boom, Dwemers reappear <laughs> and you're just like, what? Like plot twist. 
what is going on? You know, something like that could be really cool. Um, but you could still you could still leave plenty of mystery. You could still not explain if it's all of them or why they're there or what happened that brought them back or did they immediately move from one place to another? There could be a lot of a lot of uh, ways to play that. So, all right, Lotus, I think I think we're good. I think we uh, we covered this topic pretty well. There's, of course, so many other questions and so many other subtopics and questions that are happening in chat. But we're going to leave that where it is for today and stay tuned everyone if you're listening on uh, and you're a patron or you are in the live chat right now we will be launching our game show right after we conclude with this and if you're not then stay tuned to the to the feed in a few days you'll be getting the game show episode in between regular episodes so all right lotus is there uh, anything cool you've got going on anything you want to talk about before we head out um, I don't think so. I've been uh, getting back into streaming, trying my best to be more regular with streaming. Um, and I'm determined to finish up Elder Scrolls Arena and then possibly tackle another in the series. Um, got a couple of projects coming out soon that I'm working on um, when they're actually slightly more concrete and, you know, working toward being completed. I'll definitely let you all know. Uh, there'll be some good lore stuff, actually, that I've got a project going with the unofficial Elder Scrolls pages, which hopefully we'll be able to reveal somewhat soon. Oh. Um if if I can actually manage to piece it together, which is a huge if in my life. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, nothing nothing too exciting on my end. Just trying to stay involved with stuff. But um, yeah, I was gonna say if you ever need to get a hold of me, just always let me know. It's Lotus of Doom pretty much everywhere that I mm-hmm. have an account. Yeah, so. my, you can go back and check out his MySpace from two thousand five. Oh, man, actually, I wonder if that's is that still a thing. Active. Wait, wait, is that a thing? I, I, it Lotus probably wouldn't be under my Doom gamer tag. It'd, be, it'd probably be my real name because I would have been in high school slash college at that point. Uh, I don't see a Lotus of Doom one. Yeah, it's probably under my real name, and it's probably all frat pictures. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> awesome dude. So, yeah. if you like beer pong and know my real name, you could probably find oh, my man. MySpace. I've, I avoided the fraternity thing. That was I was too busy. <laughs> I was too busy playing in bands and doing awesome stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I was I was a dumpster fire in college in high school. Uh, <laughs> no judgment, no judgment on anyone who went through was a fraternity. It just wasn't my thing. I was I was doing other stuff. Yeah, no, I, I um, in the fraternity, I was just at all the parties, supplying whatever. <laughs> all right, well, uh, I can see it. I guess that seems all right. Yeah, um, let's see. So Doom has multiple connotations for a name. Yes, yes, it does. Um, Let's see. What do I what do I have going on? Uh, the thing that I want to mention at the end of this episode, other than all the regular stuff I do, because this one's new, is uh, I have set up a new, um, let's call it a uh, a club. It's not really a club. What's the best way to call this? It is a, if you go to robotsradio.net slash rocket club, you will find a page that will uh, sell you on the idea of having us help you launch your podcast and it's basically a service that we are now providing that is kind of like a a mentorship in a way where we give you everything you need to start your own podcast and get you started and so there's a bunch of cool stuff you can look at on that page so i'll have a link in the show notes if you are into starting your new show or you have a show and you want to learn how to make it grow better and improve it then this is a service that we are now providing. I think you guys will get a kick out of it, especially if you want to associate your show with the other shows on the Robots Radio Network. So it's cool stuff. Go check it out. Uh, a pilot program. It's, it's a very new thing. I actually just came up with it today. Set up a website, planned it out. Check it out. Let me know what you guys think. That's what I've got going on. All right, Lotus. Well, we're going to transition out of here and get the game show set up. So we'll see you guys after these uh, exiting credits or sound music, or whatever we call it. And uh, until next time, uh, I don't know, do something good for the world. Go assassinate a bunch of people that are trying to end the world and make it a better place, just like Naryu, because that's that's what she would want you to do, right? All right, guys. Yeah. (laughs) See you later. Thanks for listening to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. All sounds and music are owned by Bethesda Softworks or Zenimax Studios, and no copyright infringement is intended. 
If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please reach out to us at lorecast at gmail.com or on Twitter at ESO Lorecast. If you'd like to help support the show, check out the rewards you can get at patreon.com slash Lorecast. I really appreciate you listening and I'd love to hear from you soon. Thanks to our patrons for support, especially our Tier 5 patrons, including Noodle Al Dente. You've been listening to a Robots Radio Podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Since the dawn of time, there have been storytellers who teach through their stories. These myths give rise to fundamental truths, and these truths shape our collective experience. Yet these myths are not something of the past, and today they engage us more fully in the story itself. Video games allow us to live the lives of our favorite myths. My name is Blue Crew 86 host of Focus Fire Chat, and I want to invite you to explore our modern-day myths with us. Join with us as we explore the stories, the mythologies of the Destiny franchise, as well as other games. Let's explore together. Hello. Hi. Do you like bad movies? Do you find yourself defending bad movies, saying things like, well, the soundtrack was okay, or the costumes were pretty fun? From the previous hosts of It's Not That Bad Podcast, we bring you Fresh Tomatoes, the movie podcast, from Simone LaRue and Chad Ekovitz. Every week, we review two movies that did not do well critically, but we say, hey, there are some nice things about them. Maybe Rotten Tomatoes was wrong. Maybe they're all fools, and you should watch these movies regardless. We'll also talk about scenes that could have saved it, and we'll often refer to Simone's cats because they're amazing and adorable, and we love them. <laughs> and at the end of each review, we will tell you whether we would watch this movie again, or in what circumstances we would recommend you watch this movie. So, join us on July 9th for the first drop of our main episode, and then two days later for our drop of our minisodes. And on Robots Radio, Podcast Network. Come see us on July 9th! We love you so much already! Bye! Bye. Hello, gentle listener. Every Friday, be sure to tune in. What the a- hell are you oh. doing, Ampersand? <laughs> Hi, Charlie. I'm sorry I broke in. And I thought I was the only one to talk to myself. Well, I'm letting everyone know about the Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit. It's a 5e live play podcast. Join us every week. Where do we find it, yo, crusty coot? Uh, anywhere you can get all your podcasts. Woo-hoo! You'll find it every Friday, you stupid cat! <laughs>